Amen. You may be seated. Well, praise the Lord. All the time, because he's good. All the time he's good. Yes, he is. Well, hey, we come back in to to a a service just shortly after what we just finished with Christmas, and we're still saying it. We're still saying Happy New Year. Hey, where do we get where we go? That's the old year. I'm not sure where that that starts or, you know, kind of how that works, but we're still saying Happy New Year, and I'm, st- I'm starting to see pop up on websites, and we've been thinking about what we might, because we have an emphasis for this year, uh, and it'll be about uh, world, it'll be about ministry and missions that we'll kind of focus in on, but uh, I- I'm seeing all these um, 2020, you know, 2020 vision, yeah, I don't know if you're seeing some of that stuff out uh, on the line, and, and everybody's taking really interesting ways of looking at that, and, and, and I was thinking about that as I was thinking about this morning, what would it be like for us to see... To, to, to see 2020 as it potentially could be? Like, what, how would we get there? What would that look like? How would it be to really see it in a clear way? You know, and I'm seeing some of those with little spectacles, you know, and it, it's real clear. I, in fact, as I remember when I got my eyes checked last, they told me I had 20-20 vision, and now I don't know what's going on. I feel like I have 20 blurry vision, you know? It, it's like... Uh, I look at it up close and go, huh, and then I look out and I, and I go, huh, and so, it, but, but when you think about not just sight vision, but spiritual vision, to see what is potentially there, to see what is possible in the day that we're living uh, as a church, as a people of God, as Christians, what, what would it take for us to have clear visual, clear access, and, and for the people who, who, Proclaim that Jesus is Lord of all. Of course, that's how we get there. That's how we find our clear vision. I was thinking about how I could communicate that, and there's always, this thing's bugging me, there's always a, a song. Do you ever get one of those? Like there's, like there's something under there, and it's like, and, uh, but, but is there, there's always a song. And I was just thinking about it, and I thought you might, uh, you, might see, you might remember it. Some of you have to go back to your goofy movie. You know who Goofy is, don't you? Do you remember Goofy? Yeah, okay, all right. You look like, why is he talking about Goofy? Because Goofy movie was like a 70s movie, right? And you're going to need that if you want to try to think about what it would take for us to kind of get here. It's called an intro. I can see clearly now the rain is gone. I can see all obstacles in my way. Gone are the dark clouds that made me blind. It's going to be a bright, bright, sunshiny day. Now, come on, folks. You grew up, some of you grew up then. Uh, if you're going to sing it, if you're going to be in the choir, it's, it's, it's going to be a bright, bright, sunshiny day. All right. This is called choir practice. It's going to be a bright, bright, sunshiny day. I think I can make it now. The pain is gone. All the bad feelings that have disappeared. 
Here is the rainbow I've been praying for. It's going to be a bright, bright, sunshiny day. It's going to be a bright, bright, sunshiny day. Yeah. And that's what the potential is. We could go on and say, look all around you. <laughs> There's nothing but blue skies. And some of you would say, well, now just wait a minute. Uh, but in order to find that kind of light, in order to experience uh, all that that has to offer, we have to get ourselves to the place where we say, Jesus is Lord of all. You know, I, I know that uh, there's times, it's kind of like when we were uh, learning how to ride a bike. We'd say, dad or mom or whoever taught us, don't, don't, don't let me go. Don't let me go. Oh, you're doing it. You're doing it. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Don't let me go. Don't let me go. Hey, let me go. Let me go. Uh, and and we'd, we'd want to be let go. And, and then they'd let us go. And then we'd go, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. And then we'd crash. Don't let me go. Don't let me go, but let me go, but don't let me go. And it's, a, it's an exercise for children the minute they're born. Feed me and then let me go. How do we find this clarity uh, in the day that we live? It comes by way of God's word and by way of proclaiming who we truly believe that God is, that, that he is Lord of all. Of all things, is he, that's a question. Is he Lord of some? Let me go. Let me, I got this. Let me go. Don't let me go. Or is he Lord of all? Lord of all. We're reading from this morning out of uh, Acts. Um, we would normally be in a gospel, and it'd be John that's preparing for Jesus to come and be baptized. It would be a baptism for this time of the year. But we moved to a different baptism, and uh, it's in, found in Acts uh, 10, 34 through 43. And let's stand as we share in God's word together this morning. Acts 10, 34 through 43. It says this, opening his mouth, that's called witness, Opening his mouth, Peter said this, I most certainly understand now that God is not one to show partiality. Uh, but in every, na every nation, the man who fears him and does what is right is welcome to him. The word which he sent to the sons of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ. Here it is. He is Lord of all. You yourselves know the thing which took place throughout all Judea, starting from Galilee, after the baptism which John proclaimed. You know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. We, he said, Peter said, we are witnesses of all the things he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They also put him to death by hanging him on a cross. Uh, already they have to reassert the story, don't they? Already there's stuff going on that they got to know. We got to set this straight. They also put him to death by hanging him on a cross. God raised him up on the third day. By the way, that's called resurrection. Raised him up on the third day and granted that he become visible not to all the people but to witnesses 
who were chosen beforehand by God, that is to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. And he ordered us to preach to the people and solemnly to testify that this is the one who has been anointed by God as judge of the living and the dead. Of him all the prophets bear witness, and through his name, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sin. This, the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Father, we're grateful for your word. We're thankful for the power that comes through the living, transformational word of God. And Lord, I just pray that you speak. You speak, Lord. Uh, and that we hear all that you have for us this day, Lord, that we truly might make you not just Lord of some, but Lord of all. And we're grateful, we're thankful, we're grateful and thankful people. And all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. Amen. Well, growing up in the Southland of Orange County, I recall the stores that we used to go to. Uh, they weren't that far from my home. I could ride my bike to them if I wanted. We had a little strip mall about two blocks up from my house in Westminster, and, and it had a Thrifties. You remember Thrifties, don't you? Thrifties drug and discount stores. And uh, the only thing that I really liked about Thrifties was the ice cream. Uh, I mean, I'm going to get, if I can rustle up 10 cents Sorry, kids. Ten cents, I can get me a double. And if I'm really lucky and run through all the cushions of the couches, I may even find me 15 cents and get me a triple. Uh, one time I was bringing Lynn home. We'd, we'd flown in. We got out of uh, LAX, and we were coming down a street, and I look over, and it says Rite Aid. I'm thinking, what is Rite Aid? It's not Left Aid. I'm down, I doubt that there will be one, but it said Rite Aid. But I saw a little sign under down below in the, in the window, and it said Thrifty's ice cream. And I was like, I got to get me some of that. <laughs> and so I pulled in and I went in and she thought, well, what are we doing? You need like aspirin or something? No. And I came out with two triples, <laughs> two triples. And it wasn't, it wasn't uh, 30 cents. It was about $8. <laughs> and I handed it to her and we began munching down on black cherry ice cream from Thrifty Drug, well, Rite Aid. Wrong aid, whatever aid it was, it had, it had Thrifty's ice cream, and I was grateful and thankful. But I grew up with those kinds of stores, and we had a Thrifty's, we had a Food Giant, which became Food King, we had a Builder's Emporium. Do you remember Builder's Emporium? Builder's Emporium. You remember the song? Yeah, I remember a song from everything. I was glued to the, before it was even popular, I was glued to that little box. By the way, I was the remote control. <laughs> Rob, go turn it to channel seven. Okay, then. I was the remote. Do you remember being the remote? Yeah, yeah okay. And then we got a clicker. You remember that? We got a clicker. And it, it click, click. And you had to go down through all of them. I, I digress. Uh, but, but we had these great stores, great stores. And uh, somebody posted, I'm going to do it again. Somebody posted this week and they said, uh, I, I usually pay attention to it when you post on my site. And then it said, but I saw something shiny. Did you see that post? And then I posted underneath, oh, did you mean the uh, Super Bowl trophy? <laughs> She's a Patriots fan. I, I couldn't help it. And uh, so sometimes you just got to, you know, who cares about football, right? Some do. It'd be a great day today. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm claiming that. No, God doesn't care about football. He cares about us. I think he likes that we're excited about it, though, you know. But we should be just as excited about him. He's Lord of all. Amen? (laughs) 
Anyway, I'm back on my block where we used to have all these stores. We even had Westminster Mall. This was before. She didn't give me anything this morning. It's all right. Uh, but we used, to, we used to have the Westminster Mall. I, I remember before it was even there, it was just a big old grassy field before we had the great Westminster Mall. And, and, and one of the things that would happen when, when you would go to these places, that sometimes in the store there was a sign in, in the, on the, they would post it on the, the glass of the store. And it would simply say this, no shoes, no shirt. You, you've been to the Westminster Mall and, and, and thrifties and all that. Yeah, th- these days, we don't usually see that kind of a sign. I guess that's maybe kind of rough. And now we just see we reserve the right to refuse service to anyone. Exactly. And in essence, the, 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 the sign that, that we see there, that it's saying this, that we who work for this store and the owners of this establishment, we want you to come into our establishment. Please come in. Bring your wallet with you. We'd like you to buy. We'd like you to come shop here. We want you to come in here. But here's the deal. We, we demand that you do it on our terms. You, you have to do it the way we want it. Otherwise, you will not be welcome in this store. In essence, there's a, there's a couple of things you'll just need to do before you can enter into our shop. It, it might be as simple as putting on a shirt and shoes. I didn't have a problem with that. I grew up wearing my shirt and shoes, but I had friends that liked to run around no shirt with their barefooted. And they say, you can't come in here unless you put your shoes and your shirt on. But either way, you look at it, we, we love and we appreciate that you want to be in our store shopping, but you'll need to do it in a way that we're comfortable with. You'll need to do it in a particular way that is prescribed. Strict adherence will be required or you can't come in. No shoes, no shirt, no service. There's a, there's a post-resurrection story that's told about Lazarus, and the man that Jesus brought back from the dead. You remember? You won't find the story in the Bible, but it does have a ring of truth to it. It goes like this. After Jesus was raised from the dead, all the disciples were empowered to witness for him all over the world. Resurrection had set them free. They told everyone they met that Jesus was Lord of all. Uh, The Romans, the officials, they, they saw these followers of Christ as troublemakers because they refused to acknowledge Caesar as Lord. And many of the Christians, they were arrested and some were fed to the lions and some were burned at the stake. And according to the story, Lazarus was arrested and threatened with, with death. He, he was brought before the Roman emperor, yeah, you know, Caligula, and he, was ordered, he ordered him to renounce his faith in Christ. Lazarus says, I cannot and I will not renounce my faith in Jesus as Lord. And Caligula says, you don't understand I have the power of life and death over you. If you don't renounce Jesus as Lord and proclaim me as Lord, I'll have you killed. And according to the story, Lazarus began to laugh. He laughed uncontrollably, it says. He he laughed right in the face of the most powerful ruler in the world. And finally, when he had finished laughing, Lazarus looked at him and said, you are the one who doesn't understand Death is dead, Caligula. Death is dead. I've been there, and I know. 
I've been there. And I know, you see, this is what Peter preached at Caesarea to Cornelius, uh, the, the Roman centurion in his household. Be, because of the resurrection, death is dead. We no longer have to fear that. It no longer has to be the preoccupation of what about the future because we know what the future holds. It's written in God's word and it's stamped on our hearts and we believe it and we trust in it and we know that it to be true. Death does not have power over us anymore. Jesus is, in fact, Lord of all. Lord of all. And if you receive Christ, if you make Jesus Lord of your life, you are accepted. You're accepted. You're right. You have right standing before God. And the sign on the door that says that there are preconditions has been removed. In essence, no shirt, no shoes, no problem. You get in. You are a part of the family and followers of Jesus Christ. Come on in. Receive the gift that God has for you through Jesus Christ, his son, is what the new sign says. Here's a question for us today. Have you ever felt the sting of rejection? You know, hey, nice try, but you're not going to be a part. You didn't get the job. You're not tall enough. You don't have the right clothes. That's the question for us today. Have you ever felt or knew that you were not welcome somewhere? Get that feeling? been looked over, looked at, up and down, and been deemed not worthy, not ready. Hey, if you'll just jump through a few more hoops, you, we might be able to get you in, maybe a little more attendance, <laughs> maybe a little more giving, maybe a little more serving. Hey, if you just work through lunch, we see that you're all in. <laughs> you know, everyone has to pay their dues, work a little harder than the rest, stay a little longer, has to pay their, 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 their way through, uh, stay longer than the others. Make a higher mark than the rest. If, if not, if you're not willing to go the extra mile, work the more hours, give that 110% well, no shirt, no shoes, no service. You won't be getting in the club. You won't be allowed to hang with the crowd that's already in. You ever been there? Come on, you've lived in the real world, right? <laughs> you see, this has been the challenge long before we came on the scene. We all probably thought that it, it was something that we learned even in high school. You know, you have to wear the right clothes, hang with the right people, play the right sports, be a part of a particular crowd, maybe the football team, basketball, baseball, whatever the team, you got to be a part of that one. Maybe the chess club. I was in one of those in eighth grade, a chess club. How about that? Uh, you know, maybe you got to be, a, or on the debate team, be really good at that. There are always some kind of groupings of people that unless you dressed right, unless you looked right and played right, or served right, well, you just weren't welcome. Wear the right clothes? Really? Does anybody remember the clothes that we wore or your parents wore in the 70s? I got a two words for you. Leisure suit. Remember the double-wide white belt with the two prongs that... My dad had one on his leisure suit. Oh. Anybody want to go back there? It's funny. I haven't really seen that one come back around. <laughs> of all the things that can come back around. What club did that make us part of? The polyester club is what I think it was. 
And then the club mentality, it didn't stop with what we wore, the schools or the places that we shopped at. No, it made its way right into the churches, you, you may remember. You can't do that and go to heaven. How dare you? Or, or you must do that to get to heaven. You can't sing it that way and have real church. God doesn't come when you sing that. He, you have to sing this. Or maybe just no instruments, voices only. Voices only, you can be part of the church. You can't wear that. You can't wear that and be a Christian. Do you remember that? You can't drink that. You can't move like that. You can't move like that. My sister would go hide in her room. <laughs> you can't move like that. Remember the syncopated beat? Because you, it's just natural. You drop it in on the syncopated beat. But you can't move like that and go to heaven. And these are just a few of the rules that I remember. The standard rules, rules that say that you're in, rules that say that you're not, rules that say no shirt, no shoes. I got to be careful here, no service. Wow. Somebody to hear that and they go, that's in his heart. I know that's in his heart. Peter's sermon in our text today expresses two really important points, really simple for us, shouldn't take us long. Number one, Jesus is Lord of all. He either is or he isn't. He can't just be Lord of some or he'll, he won't be Lord of any of it. We'll just give him just what we want him to have and keep the rest for ourselves and then wonder why it doesn't work right for us. So number one, Jesus is Lord of all. And number two, we are all witnesses. We proclaim Jesus is Lord of all, amen? That, that's how it ought to be. And then we, get, we trickle down and we get into how do we do that and not be obnoxious Nazarenes. You see, we know about the Apostles' Creed. Some of us know about the Nicene Creed and a few of us know about the Athanasian Creed. These are all, they're all considered the three creeds of Christendom, but the first creed of the early Christians was this and this only, Jesus is Lord of all. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord is the creed that got the early Christians into big trouble with the Roman rulers of their day. These early Christ followers insisted that Jesus is Lord, not Caesar. You think, well, that was for that day. Well, we got people that want to be Caesar today. All over the place. You can find them at your work. You can find them in government. You can find them, you name it. There are people that want that kind of power, and they want you to bow to that power. But we say Jesus is Lord, not Caesar, not politics, not the, the job that I work at. Jesus is Lord. The one that they would bow to, the one that they would have total allegiance to, their ultimate ruler to whom they owed their highest loyalty and obedience was Jesus and they begin to proclaim that and he was and is Lord of all we can look at several ideas that come out of this simple and straight to the point creed that Jesus is Lord of all first of all Jesus is Lord of all the, the heartfelt and belief statement means that anyone especially in this scripture anyone everyone all people anyone who believes 
and receives can be saved through this confession. The Bible says that if thou shalt confess, that's King James, I grew up that way. If you will confess the Lord with your mouth, the Lord Jesus, and believe that God has raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Amen? That's the way that it may have looked differently in in many cases, but that's how we came in. That's how we became approved of God. There is no precondition. There's no getting yourself ready to be accepted. You don't have to go through classes and receive a certificate of graduation. No special clothing or hairstyle. Oh, my goodness. A friend of mine sent me a picture the other day of us when we were younger. And uh, he said, dude, you were really sporting the Farah look. <laughs> that, uh, you know, that layered look. We grow our hair long. You remember, don't you? Back at Midway City? I know you do. Sister Maureen, I see you back there, you know, and we, we'd get it just layered just right and it would feather all the way back. <laughs> that was part of being in. Got to have the right hairdo. You go to somebody and they say, can you feather this? They go, well, what? You want to do what? Here, let me get your leisure suit for you while you're at it. <laughs> but there's no precondition. No hairstyle, no clothing. If you confess and believe, you are saved. You are now part of this family of God. You have been grafted in. He draws us to himself and we respond. And in our text, immediately following Peter's sermon, Cornelius and his family, they confess faith in Jesus Christ and were baptized. We we read it in verses 44 through 48. It says, while Peter was still speaking these words, that the Holy Spirit fell upon those who were listening to the message. This is really problematic for them. All the circumcised believers came with Peter and they were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also, those low-level, not-yet-ready-for-prime-time players. They, They don't get this. We get this. They don't get this. The Gentiles had been included For they were hearing them speaking with tongues and exalting God. And Peter answered, surely no one can refuse the water to these, for these to be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we did. Can he? And he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then once they were baptized, you know what they wanted to do? They all wanted to go to Bob's Big Boy and get French fries and hang out with one another. Uh, I mean, it says there that they asked him to stay for a few days. Let's hang out. I don't know about you, but when, when people come to faith, all you want to do is hang out with them. Tony, all I want to do is hang out with Tony. Because we talk about Jesus and talk about what God's doing and he's got the the joy of the Lord on his face and some of you do too. It's wonderful. I did say some of you. Come on now. Some of us just have a a resting face that we have and it just kind of, you know, it's just got that look. And, and And then when we say, hey, Snap out of it. We, we smile and the joy is there. It's just, you have to, the, the heart has to scream at the face. Just wake up. But I hang out with Tony every now and then and, and, and it's already there, man. You know, it's, it's fresh. It should be fresh. Not just not just because it's only, what do we say, six months? We say six months? That's awesome, man. How fun is that? To, to, to be a, a, a new Christian six months in and it's still good. Can you imagine that? It's like, tell me, it's like being married for six months. It's still good. <laughs> well, it is. And after 36 years, it's still good. 
I can see clearly now the rain is coming. We're getting out of hand. I have no idea where I was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They couldn't refuse them the baptism. Even though it didn't happen in the appropriate order. There's an order to this. You see, Peter's sermon emphasized that all people, Gentiles as well as Jews, could become disciples of Jesus. And that uh, that was a revolutionary thought. A whole new way of thinking. Because Peter was a Jew. And Jews of that time looked down on Gentiles. And we think about that, we think, well, that's just a shame that people of that day would look down on a grouping of people. Say, really? Is it that far from us? I admit to you, I got some people that walk up to the church and I go, oh, here we go. That's terrible. Here we go. And then the Lord goes, hey, uh, yeah, 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 I know. I know you died for them too. I'm sorry. <laughs> we sometimes do that. We have, through experiences, we've begun to see people in certain ways. Eh, they'll, they'll never get it. They'll never get it. They keep trying, but they'll never get it. They, they want they want to be homeless. That's what they want. They want, I've heard, I hear that on, on TV now. They want, no, I don't think anybody wants to be homeless. It may look that way, you know, but if, if they could fill the void, have joy in their life. I don't know if I've ever seen someone who come to faith that everything went, went sour and bad and downhill from there. There may have been circumstances in life, but it, it, always they come up. They, they come to a new place and everything looks new and great and wonderful. And even though nothing's changed other than I prayed to receive Christ, but now everything looks 2020. It's not fuzzy anymore. And I don't want to have all of my belongings on the street. I don't want to say those kind of words that I used to say. And I don't want to drink my life away the way I used to. It's a new vision that Jesus is Lord of all. But there we are, levels of who gets in and who doesn't. The gospel of salvation was now to be understood to be for all people everywhere. No one is excluded from God's grace. Given in Jesus Christ and his cross, Jesus died that all might be saved. You see, Cornelius, he was a God-fearer who became a Christian. He, in essence, was a man who was not on the inside track. Even being a good man, a God-fearer, who, who gave generously to others and, and he prayed continuously, the preconditions of the Jewish culture of the day said that that's great, but there's some hoops that you're going to need to jump through. You're not on the same level as the rest of us. You're second class. And not only was... Cornelius, a Gentile, second class. He was also a Roman centurion. 
That meant that he had loyalty and sworn obedience to Rome and he was under Rome's authority. He represented the Romans in Caesarea where he was stationed and he was in command of a hundred soldiers who were under his authority. And Cornelius, he stood, he understood in what, what it meant to have authority and to be under authority, to, to have authority, but also to be under authority. And when Peter preached that Jesus is Lord of all, Cornelius, he understood that he was facing a major challenge here, a big time conflict that was about to unravel his life. And in that moment of decision, in the weighing out of the consequences of this choice, Cornelius chose Jesus Christ over Caesar as Lord of life. You see, this is a choice that each of us have to make. And it's not just the first time. It's not, okay, I'm gonna, I wanna receive you, Jesus, into my life. You are my Lord and Savior It goes on when you're on the bike and you're making your way and you say, I think I could do this, but don't let go. Don't let go. I need you. You are Lord of my life. Cornelius chose Jesus over Caesar. Good choice, Cornelius. Knowing what it truly means to live the lives that we live. Yes, even today in America and in our society, a society that in many ways is against what being a follower of Christ is all about. The Lord of all choice means that we will forsake the ways of our culture, many of them those ways that are anti Christ. There are ways that are being espoused today across the airwaves, and I go, hey, when I was a kid, that was considered sin, wrong. And now it's heralded as the answer. The Lord of all choice means that we will forsake the ways of our culture, many of them that are steeped in antichrist. It means that I will set aside my own ideas that I have been developed in, my, in the culture of the me first culture. I have to set all that aside in a culture that sets one side against another side. Oh, you're one of those. Remember that in high school? Oh, you're, you're on that team. Or people would look at you like, It's a culture that embraces what I can get over what I can give. We could probably park here for a while. We're a part of it. We're a part of the culture. And we need to get back to that first creed that says, Jesus is Lord of all. Well, what do you think? Hmm. I probably shouldn't think. I should just say Jesus is Lord of all. Well, what about the world that we're living in? We should give more. Oh, well, what about this group? God loves them. Oh, oh. What about that group? God loves them. He died for them. He didn't just have me on, their, on his mind on the cross. He didn't just have you on his mind on the cross. He had all of us on his mind, on the cross. In our text, 
It's transitioning from Roman citizenship and embracing the ways of Jesus, moving from being a citizen of this world and being transformed into a citizen of his kingdom come, which is now. Go now and feed someone. Go now and close someone. Go now and bind the broken and wounded. We don't have to wait for the grand and glorious day when we'll all sit on clouds of glory and play like Reed. I'm being a little facetious, but you know what I mean. We can participate now in his kingdom come because he is Lord of all. And we don't have to say, oh, they'll never get it. Jesus is Lord of all. Not only means that this that he is the Lord over the Jews and the Gentiles and any other group name that you want to fill in. He's over all the people everywhere, but also he is my Lord as well. He doesn't put us together in groups and then say, you guys talk it amongst yourselves and develop me something new for out here. We bow to his authority in our lives. He's Lord of my life as well. If we do not translate and apply that Jesus is Lord of all creed to our own lives, we move this major idea to a minor idea. It is relegated to the margins of our lives and it becomes an, just an interesting Bible story and emphasis. We, we become admirers of Jesus, of his words, but not true disciples. That Jesus is Lord of all means that as Christians, I come under his ultimate authority. What do you think, Rob? I don't know. Let me check. Well, don't you have an opinion? No, let's, uh, too often I do. And that's where I get in trouble. I need to see what Jesus says about it. What, God's, what God says about it through his word. Let me get back to you. I haven't memorized the whole thing. Sorry. Uh, I'll get back to you. We come under his authority. Martin Luther in the small catechism interprets the meaning of the second article of the Apostles' Creed like this. He says, I believe that Jesus Christ, true God, begotten of the Father from eternity and also true man, born of the Virgin Mary, is my Lord. You see, that's not just powerful theology. That's personal confession. And it's the way of salvation. He is my Lord. That Jesus is Lord of all also means that he is Lord of life. This new life in Christ is extraordinary. It was for Cornelius and, and, and all his whole family. In, in baptism, Christ, Christ added to Cornelius' life. When the day that happened for him, he added to his life, to the lives of his family. He, he adds to our lives as well. The cross of Christ, God's plus, is made on our foreheads of those who are baptized. And that means that the baptized are given something extra for their lives, something new, something transformational for their lives. In John 2, 1 through 11, we read that Jesus turned water into wine. He took the water, which was very ordinary, and he made wine, which was extraordinary. 
This was the first of his signs. This means that this was the kind of thing Jesus did throughout his entire ministry. He took ordinary, average, everyday people and he made them extraordinary, extraordinary. Christ adds a plus to our ordinary lives. You don't do that. I don't do that. Rob, how'd you get to be able to do that? Praise be to God who gives me life and breath. In him we live and move and have our being. It's because of him. Those that do it on their own become pretty pompous and self-absorbed and important. I don't want to be that. We've looked at two implications of Peter's words. Jesus is Lord of all, and he is Lord of all people, of every color and kind and race and culture, and he's my Lord, and he is the Lord of life, and we are called to come under his authority for living our lives. Another application we can find in this first century creed that Jesus is Lord of all is this. Death isn't fatal. Death is not final. It's not over. In fact, it's probably what most of us fear the most. When will that happen, and will it hurt? Right? I mean, all the other things we navigate and we kind of work around, but that final one, ah, that one, when you get right down to it, the harshest of atheists will go, hmm, on the deathbed. Acts 10.40 says that God raised him on the third day. That means that we are baptized into his death and resurrection and that as he is raised from the dead, we too have new life after death. We've read the back. We used to say, we win, we win, hallelujah, we win. I'm doing that thing again. I read the back of the book and we win. I read the back of the book. It's in Revelation. We win. Death no longer has a hold on us. That's the celebration of Christ's resurrection that it's all about. For each of us, there may be very real physical death that'll happen. You know, if he comes back tomorrow, you'll be like, that didn't hurt at all. And I'd love that. And maybe that'll happen. When I was a kid, they told me every Sunday that tomorrow morning could be it. And I was scared. But for those who Jesus is Lord of all, there's no fear. Through Christ, we are promised life after death. Jesus said, if it were not so, I would have told you. That's pretty clear. He also said, I'm the resurrection and the life. Paul puts it this way. He he says, if in this life only we have hoped in Christ, we are of all people the most to be pitied. But then he adds this, this is in verse 54, but when this perishable, and I've got extra of it since Christmas, when this perishable will have put on the imperishable and this mortal will have put on the immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God who gives us what? The victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, Peter proclaimed new life for all in Christ Jesus. He proclaimed life over death. 
He said that we are witnesses for Christ. So number one, Jesus is Lord of all. Number two, we are his witnesses. There, there's four places in Peter's sermon that he uses the term witnesses or the term testify. In 1039, it says, we are witnesses to all that we, Jesus, did both in Judea and Jerusalem. And then in 1041, it says, to us who were chosen by God as witnesses and who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And then in 1042, it says, he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one ordered by God, ordained by God as judge of the living and the dead. And then 1043 says, all the prophets testify about him and that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. It is completely clear that these passages being that Peter and his apostles and the prophets before them, they were all witnesses. In addition, all who come after, that all Christians are called to be witnesses for Christ. Not all are evangelists, but those who have confessed and believed, we're all witnesses. The Greek word for evangelist in the New Testament means someone who announces and declares the gospel. The Greek New Testament word for witness means this, someone who shares the gospel. Not everybody's a proclaimer, but everybody's a share. We won't all stand somewhere and yell at everybody, sorry, but we'll all share. We'll bring the gospel, the good news, and we'll share it uh, around us. Not all Christians are called to be evangelists, declaring or preaching the good news of Jesus Christ, but we are all called to share our faith with others. All evangelists are witness, witnesses, but not all witnesses are evangelists. This is not a play on words. It just means that we are to share the good news with others. Whatever we feel our giftedness is, it doesn't matter. You say, well, I'm, kinda, I'm better at painting. Well, then paint, but go share the good news. Well, I, you know, I'm, I'm helps. I'm into, I like, and those are good. I, I need to, uh, helps is a good thing, but be help and, and go share the good news with somebody. Well, I, I like doing computer graphics. All right, do computer graphics, but share the gospel, share the good news with those that are around you. What might it mean to those that we have contact with nearly every day that, what would it mean to them for us to boldly proclaim to them? You've become so fearful of that. Oh, they'll think I'm a fanatic. Oh, they'll reject me. Jesus is Lord of all. They won't like it. Jesus is Lord of all. The, the, uh, I, I could get in trouble at work. Jesus is Lord of all. I never get in trouble at work for that. <laughs> just, just a thought. But I should get in trouble if I don't proclaim that he is Lord of all. What would it mean for them to know that they are not second class? That they can, and ha they can have the same standing that, that we all have with God. That if they would confess and believe, they, they would be a part of this great big family of God, that, that they are included and important. Jesus, the Lord of all, he said to the apostles and to all Christians, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, so go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And that nation's word is all people groups, not just my favorite types, not just the ones that live around my block, but all people groups. He also said, you will receive power 
when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the utter ends of the earth or to Hatchapi, the utter ends of the earth. This is our utter end. I don't know, we may drive down to Bakersfield or down to on the other side or go into L.A., whatever. Wherever it takes us, we are to take the gospel, the good news with us because Jesus is Lord of all and we are called to witness to the lordship of Christ beyond all barriers and all divides, language, culture, prejudice, geography, economic class or education. All people of every color and kind can receive the gospel of peace through Jesus Christ. That's out of Acts 10.35. That is the good news today for all people, no matter where you come from, poor, rich, impoverished, no matter where you're at, the good news is for you. Because Jesus is the Lord of all, we are called to witness that life can be extraordinary for those who believe. In Christ, we have a joy in the Lord, a joy in the Lord. In Christ, the joy of the Lord is added to our ordinary lives. Show me a grouchy Christian and I'm going to have to go to the word to find out where I can find one. We need to let that joy come out. In Christ, the joy of the Lord is added to our ordinary lives. Only in Christ can we find the joy that we are intended to know. Through Peter's sermon, the joy came to his entire household. Would that not bring joy to our lives? Our entire household, all of it, cousins, brothers, sisters, moms, dads, grandpas, grandmas, would that not just do it? All it takes is God, to, Jesus to be Lord of all of our lives and for the joy to come out of us, it'll save our entire family. Let it out. Don't be negative. Don't be mean. Well, if you would just have the Bible... They run from that. I run from that. Speak life into their, their lives. Take the very positive things that are the natural things that God has, has instilled in them and fan that. Be positive to them. I'm preaching to myself now. We're going to talk with this girl with this dog in my house. need to be encouraging. That is the sweetest little largest slobbering hair filled animal I've ever seen. Only in Christ can we find the joy that we are intended to know. Through Peter's sermon, that joy came to the whole household, saved his whole house. Would you not scream for joy when our wayward kid calls in? says, man, I've, I've gave my heart back to Jesus. Some think it's over for your kids. It's never over. I don't care what bind you think they've put themselves in, what they've added to their life or taken from their life, it's never over. You keep the joy coming out of your life. See what God does through it. It may take your entire life. I had a lady when I was a kid that was our choir director. 
She prayed for her husband. Every week she'd say, pray for my husband. He won't come to church. Pray for my husband. You almost get tired. But if you understand the heartfelt, pray for my husband. We prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And then I graduated and went to college and they were still praying. And last I knew before she died, she had, she continued to pray all through his entire life. It's never over. God's got a plan. Let the joy that comes through making Jesus Christ Lord of all, there's a joy that comes out of that. They'll respond more to that than they do to. They will respond to that joy. And then write them a check, you know, you know, for gas. Write them a check for gas and let the joy of the Lord flow. That's right. First Peter 1.8 puts it in these terms when he says, although you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believed in him and rejoice with an indescribable and glorious joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. It's what gets us through when we get the bad news. Oh, the joy of the Lord. The Revised Standard translates this blessing of believing as an unutterable and exalted joy. People are searching for this joy. People do, they go to great extreme lengths to find the joy. There was a young person this year, this, this, this last week in our community that couldn't find the joy. Couldn't find the joy. Lord be with him this day. They desire and they need joy in their life. Therefore, we witness. We witness for Christ through whom they can have this joy. That's the good news. Since Jesus is Lord of all and we are called to witness to the good news of the message that Christ conquered the grave and that we too may have life over death through him, death is not fatal. By Christ's resurrection, death is dealt a deadly blow. We may die physically one day, but since the grave could not hold our Lord, the grave can't hold us either. Christ precedes us in our graves and then says, come on, come on, follow me. I'll show you the way out of here. Death is not fatal. That's the good news. During World War II, a pastor was standing next to a gaping hole made by a bomb, and he was contemplating the horrors of death and destruction, and suddenly a member of the church appeared and looked at the havoc that had recently claimed her husband. I'm sorry, the pastor told her. I wish I could have done more to help you and your husband. She looked at him and she said, you did more than you know. You prepared my husband for eternity. You see, that's what we do as God's witnesses. We prepare one another for eternity. Having a tough time? Let me share some joy with you. Am I having a tough time? You give it to me. We work with one another as God's people and we invite others in. Jesus Christ is Lord of all and we who have believed and received, we are his witnesses. We witness to this fact with our lives, with our mouths, with our testimony, with our entire being, with all that we are and ever hope to be, we proclaim that he is Lord of all. No shoes, no shirt, no problem. Today the question that is before us, is he Lord of all? 
all of it.